Hello, my name is Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 15 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be talking about charging and how much it costs. But before we get started, I want to ask you, did you see that Nigel, the EV puzzle, Kona Electric on Twitter, has cancelled his order for one of the new MGZS EVs? Yeah, so I um, I caught up with this today, actually. I was really surprised. I mean, he obviously put on there that he he hadn't told anyone that he was he'd actually ordered it in the first place and he was biding his time. Now, I think that in itself tells a lot. I don't mind the MG. I think it looks quite nice outside. I think the interior was really nice. I still had a problem with the, the charging port, but what was worrying was his comments around the warranty. And specifically, the bit that really worried me was about the the rust and the out like the outside rust, not just really? not just like you know if you have it for like twenty years, you expect a bit of rust on a car. It's like no, it's it's not even covered in the warranty. It's like it's it's a car made of metal, yeah. It's gonna rust, yeah. It. I think this is one of these things that it will either blow over and nothing will come of it, and everybody will just say it was an anomaly or become massive. Or- <laughs> Exactly. We're gonna. It's going to be another rapid gate. We're going to mm. find out six, eight, 12 months down the line that there's all these people who've gone out and put the money down for this and the car's just going to fall apart. And I really don't know which one of those two options it's going to be. Time will certainly tell. So let's talk about your charging experience for a moment. Anything you want to say about that? I certainly do. We talked on last week's episode about the Instavolt chargers and the fact that I use the newest ones with the high-speed charging. I managed to get a little over 50 kilowatt charge speed on my Soul, even though it's rated at 80 kilowatts. Well, this week I visited the brand new BP Chargemaster 150 kilowatt charger and tried that one. And how did that go? Very disappointing. Bear in mind, this is a charger that had been officially live for less than 24 hours when I visited it. Of the two chargers that were there, one of them was offline and combed off. I plugged in, free vend, thanks Polar, thanks for that, and I started the charge. I peaked at an average of 45 kilowatts. This was at around 50% state of charge with a warm battery. And when I looked at the display, uh, fabulous display, one of the ABB uh, chargers, the display showed that even though I'd been on for about 12 minutes, it was showing me 1 minute and 34 seconds of time elapsed. So there was obviously some problem with that. So not a good initial experience. I would have been quite annoyed if I'd actually been paying for the higher speeds, but only getting 45 kilowatts. That's not a good start for them at all, especially after the uh, the fanfare of uh, fully charged and, and everything else they had had, what, a couple of days before, day before? Indeed, yeah, um, ideally, yeah. And these, I mean, you've got to bear in mind, these are, it's not like it's a new company either. They, they, they know what they're doing with chargers and this is their, almost their flagship chargers for, for the BP4 course. It doesn't really instill confidence that they can't get the first two right. I mean, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they'd actually not commissioned both of them. They'd only yeah. commissioned one of them and one of them was, wasn't was offline. It just hadn't been switched on yet. I'm quite happy to say, yeah, that's maybe what happened. Mm. But, you know, to not get anywhere near what I was expecting in terms of charge no, and to end up with a screen that is physically displaying incorrect information on a unit that is at most 
a week old in terms of from the time it was first switched on to me using it. Yeah. Not a good uh, site. No. Charge Master, not a good site. No, you should have definitely been getting higher uh, kilowatts considering, you know, the temperature and everything that your battery was. It's not like you just rocked up only having driven it for, uh, you know, a few minutes. You should have definitely got better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting the full 80 no. kilowatts, but, you know, you anyway, got- as I said to, uh, I tweeted to... Um, Tom from uh, BP Charge Master, and I said anything between sixty and seventy, I would have been happy with. But yeah. to get an average of forty-four kilowatts, not good. No, no, not at all. Our feature topic today is charging. Again, we've covered various aspects of charging since we started this podcast, including charges and cables, and the whole process surrounding charging itself. Costs, apps, RFID cards, etc. And links to these episodes are included below. But since we published those episodes, things have moved on quite a lot with regard to charging itself. So we wanted to go back to the topic and discuss in a bit more detail exactly what's changed, what charging options you have generically, and what you need to be looking at with regard to what sort of car you have. For the purposes of clarity, we're looking at rapid charging here. So anything, you know, 43 kilowatts or above. We're not interested in type 2 charging on this particular podcast today. So, Simon, what's the fundamental thing that has changed since our last charging podcast? We, you know, we literally just mentioned around the, the 150 kilowatt chargers, but they're not the only ones. You know, if we go back even a few months, the amount of companies that are actually releasing and installing 150, 350 kilowatt chargers, it's it's just exponential. It just keeps growing on on a daily and weekly basis, there's always a tweet or a advertisement or something from one of the charge companies or a new charge company that says, here's our brand new 150 kilowatt. Whereas before you'd be like, hold on a minute, I was still getting used to 50 kilowatts <laughs> and that's all my car can take. And, and now you're, you've got all these and it's, I mean, it's great to see, you know, I, I go back a year, a year and a half where a fi- even a 50 kilowatt was not necessarily a rare thing, but there were fewer far between and you may have to have relied on certain other companies yeah they, they're just popping up all over the place i mean you only got to see ionity um in milton Keynes, you know putting putting four of their 350 kilowatts chargers in and obviously bp doing their part fastnet doing their part it's just gone crazy exactly we now live in a world where the range of fast charging options means that you can pick and choose how fast you actually want to charge but this comes with a price or several prices, as the case may be. Yeah, exactly. So um, in the fossil fuel world, prices are pretty constant. A litre of fuel costs the same, more or less, no matter where you go for it. The same can't be said, unfortunately, for EV charging. Here's an example of the charges that a single charging network, Polar, advertise. Looking down their new pricing structure, Polar Plus on a rapid charger per kilowatt is 15p. Polar Instant on the same, 25p. And contactless is 30p. Now, if you compare that to the higher power chargers, um, so, you know, the 150 kilowatt type things on Polar Plus, that would be 20p a kilowatt. Polar Instant, 35 pence a kilowatt. And then contactless, 40p a kilowatt. So what we've got is electrons being charged at effectively six different prices, depending on the speed and the method of payment. And that's a problem. A real problem. Apart from not being particularly user-friendly to understand, it's also very confusing for people who are new to the whole EV world and don't understand how much it's going to cost them to charge their car. Let's take 
an iPACE owner, for example, wanting to put 50 kilowatt hours into his Jag. The price can range from £7.50 plus a £7.99 subscription on a 50 kilowatt Polar Plus tariff to £20 with no subscription on a 150 kilowatt charger paying contactless. In the big scheme of things, that's very cheap compared with petrol or diesel, but it's also a very, a very wide range of costs given you're ending up with the same thing, electrons in your battery. The situation also gets interesting when you bring in other charge providers such as Instavolt. They charge 36 pence per kilowatt hour on their 125 kilowatt chargers. So the iPace owner would pay 18 pounds for his 50 kilowatt hours on Instavolt. And that's also contactless. Ionity, on the other hand, work on a fixed price charge at the moment, and they're levying an eight pound fee for the charge, regardless of how long you stay. Fastnet, currently up in Sunderland only, but hopefully coming to more places in the UK, have 175 kilowatt chargers that are currently priced, they're at free then, but they will then go to an introductory price and then a normal price when things settle down. Similar chargers in Holland are charged at 35 euro cents per kilowatt hour with a three euro cents per minute time element on top. So this means that an iPACE driver wanting to put 50 kilowatt hours of charge into his battery could today pay zero, £7.50, £8, £10, £12.50, £15, £17.50, £18, £20, or £17.50 plus a time charge depending on where he charges, who his supplier is, how he pays, and what speed the charger works at. This is obviously confusing and needs to be reviewed. So Simon, should we pay more for faster charging? So I'm mixed on this. Now we, we know that likes of Instavolt, they came into the market with their at the time 50 kilowatt chargers and obviously they're starting to roll out their higher tariffs but weirdly instavolt haven't taken the option of of charging more money um, per kilowatt and there's this contact list it's what you pay is what you use it's it doesn't differentiate between that and it seems that there seems to be a varying degree of approaches to this and i think you know it's Obviously, that you know the pros. You're you to it. You you you're buying time, and then you've got the other side. Is if if you can't take the higher speed, you're kind of being penalised for having a slower car speed and still paying the same higher cost. And obviously, if you've got a car that can take higher speeds uh, but doesn't due to the state of charge or battery temperature, again, you're being penalised. So it's a bit of an odd one, and it does need to settle down. Needs to be reviewed. It's it's kind of worrying that there's a lot of these different charging methods and time and everything that has to take into account. You know, right, exactly. For a, a new EV owner, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. For existing people, it's, you know, it's hard enough. I suppose the question goes back to you, Gary. Should we pay more for contactless? I think the subject of different payment methods needs to be looked at. I, I don't think anyone should be penalised for paying contactless. I think if suppliers want to encourage people to use other methods of payments, such as RFID fobs or apps, they could look at reducing the price. But that's different to charging a premium for paying by contactless. If you look at Instavolt, as you've already said, their pricing is currently the same regardless of the speed of charge, and they only allow contactless. But if they went for in future for a subscription method, I would expect a reduced price per kilowatt hour from them rather than increasing the price for contactless. And the final question in this section is a simple one with a complex answer. What's the preferred pricing model? Should it be 
a charge per time, a charge per kilowatt hour, or a charge per session. So, so let's have a look at these. So pros per, per time discourages people staying longer than they need to, thus freeing up chargers quicker. Cons, slower charging cars can get penalised. There's also pros per kilowatt hour treats all cars equally, regardless of charging speeds. Cons, which um, is a uh, current uh, issue, FEVs or plug-in hybrids get to hog chargers for long periods of time because they're generally slow, often 7 kilowatts, although I have been recently corrected on a number of them. Pros per session takes away the worry of how much will it cost. And then cons, if you're only really wanting 10 kilowatts as a top-up, it can be quite expensive. And I suppose it depends on what vehicle you've got. It depends on how long you think you're going to stay. It depends on how fast your vehicle can charge. It depends on whether you're under a time constraint. It depends on availability. If the only one that's available just happens to be a uh, an Ionity £8 fixed charge and you need a charge, then that's basically yeah. what you're going to pay, isn't it? And then also, like, you've got the risk then of, if that is the case, then you're taking up a charger of somebody that can use it. But remember, the other side of the charging equation relates to cost savings versus petrol. And this is where we get in and try and do some maths. But don't worry, we'll try and be gentle. For comparison's sake, let's say we have a car that does four miles per kilowatt hour. And we're we're comparing that with a petrol car that does 36 miles per gallon. Therefore, the number of kilowatt hours that you need to do to do 36 miles is nine kilowatt hours. So for various prices, let's see how that translates to cost per gallon. So if you're charging 10p per kilowatt hour, you're looking at 90 pence a gallon. 20p per kilowatt hour is pound 80. 30p per kilowatt hour is £2.70, etc, etc. Down to 70p per kilowatt hour, which is £6.30. At £1.30 per litre of petrol, a gallon is going to cost around £5.90, i.e. around 65 pence per kilowatt equivalent. This means that any charge that costs less than 65p per kilowatt hour for a reasonably efficient car wins over petrol. For polar charging, at any current charge costs your good. For Instavolt, at 36p per kilowatt hour, you're good. For Ngini, at 35p per kilowatt hour, you're also good. Now let's see what happens when you make it a pay per session rather than pay per kilowatt hour. On Ionity, you get charged £8 per session, which let's just for the purposes of argument, let's say that's an hour. On a 150 kilowatt charge, you'll probably get something in the region of 80 kilowatt hours actually delivered in the hour on something like an iPACE or an e-tron. In an iPACE, that will give you about 220 miles, which is about six gallons worth, i.e. 36 pounds. In an e-tron, it will give you slightly more, but for a Kona or an e-nero, that will give you something like 300 miles or 8.3 gallons worth, which equates to 49 pounds in petrol terms. In my Kia Soul, it will give me easily 110 miles in summer, which is at £18.54 equivalent in petrol. So any charging with a fixed rate per session that gives you more than 36 miles per £5.90s worth of charge is a bonus. Of course, the problem we have at the moment, especially amongst EV owners who are reasonably new to the game, is that they're used to the low charge prices that are currently around. Free in some cases. Yes, I'm looking at you, Podpoint. And this means that any change to the tariff will be met with derision. I mean, if you go back and check some of the comments on the BP Twitter post about the recent unveiling of the 150 kilowatt charger at Cranford near Heathrow, you'll see what I mean when it comes to people complaining about the uh, price. 
But in reality, this is always going to be the case. Companies are there to make money. They have a huge capital cost for chargers. A standard 50 kilowatt charger is upwards of £20,000 and the 150 kilowatt charges are even more. And then when you add the cost of groundworks and transformers and whatever you need to make the whole thing work, suddenly you're looking at a large capital outlay. I've spoken with reps from several charging companies and I've asked them the specific question about their charging rates. And they've all told me that the rates they charge are sustainable enough to provide a return on investment over a 10 or 20 year period. That's a huge amount of capital to commit for a long period of time. And these prices will not get any lower unless there's severe competition for chargers, which brings us to GridServe. So we've spoken about GridServe before. They're planning to build 100 charging hubs at key points around the country. These hubs will have numerous chargers at different speeds, 22 kilowatt, 50 kilowatt, 150 kilowatt, etc and will enable loads of cars to charge at the same time. But GridServe are not a charging company. They're a power company who also deal in real estate. Their model is to provide the platform for the charging companies to install their chargers. GridServe will add the ancillary bits around the chargers, such as the coffee shops or the mini-marts, the lounge area and the business offices that will accompany each hub. But again, they only do this as a landlord. The likes of Starbucks, Costa, M&S and others will provide the actual products that are to be used. But here's the problem. If charge companies are wanting to get a return on investment on their charges and GridServe are letting third-party companies provide additional services to EV owners who are charging, how do the charge companies stand to make money? If you look at the traditional fossil fuel model, the profit on fuel itself is minimal, but the shops are where the majority of the money is made, you know, you buy newspapers and sweets and soft drinks and milk and bread, etc. Now, if M&S are making the profit at a GridServe hub and Costa are providing the coffee for the people who are doing the charging, how are the charge companies supposed to find additional sources of income to remove the need to increase charger prices? This means that over time, the cost to charge at GridServe may increase unless multiple charge providers come in at each location and compete for custom. Although there's always the possibility of the same thing happening there as happens with petrol stations opposite each other. They tend to get together and keep the prices similar, all to the detriment of the consumer. So Simon, what do you think about that as an argument? The, the pricing of it is, is an interesting one. And like we've, we've said around a certainly GridServe, and we've both spoken to them um, and, and their model. And their model you know, initially sounds, sounds fantastic. But really, the only way I can see this working is exactly that, having multiple charging companies on the same site and giving people the option of uh, either charging at their, their, I want to say favourite charging company, but the one that they're used to, you know, the the, the um, charging facilities that they're used to and, and things like that. Or, um, you know, they, they've got a subscription, for instance, Polar. But speaking to the chap at uh, Fully Charged Live, he was saying about that they're looking for some sort of, uh, not necessarily subscription, but like a, a card that you use for GridServe for charging, which leads me to believe that it'll be something similar to um, if you charge in Europe, where you have, I think, two cards and you can use them across multiple charging companies and some somehow they're divvied up. Um, whether GridServe obviously probably take their own little chunk of money out of that and the rest will take, you know, everything else. 
but it's interesting because you you know you you're right about you know the costas and the MSs and things like that. They're going to be in it to make their own money. They'll obviously need to pay high rent or a element of rent to Gridserve because again they're a landlord. The only way I can see these companies possibly making things or keeping the costs low is that they're putting in things like solar and battery storage and things like that on the sites. So it could be that normally when you have these chargers, whilst they're expensive, they don't often have battery backups unless you know, you've know got places like Dundee and, and things like that. So may, maybe that's one element that could keep the price down, that they're not constantly having, having to drain power from the grid or anywhere else. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how it pans out. I like the idea of GridServe, but n- not at the detriment to us paying extortion prices for the privilege of, of going there. Because let's face it, I don't know about you, but I spend actually more on coffee than I do on charging at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sort of looping back to a comment that you made a few moments ago, the price of the electricity is actually, in my opinion, is the lowest cost yeah. in the whole of this because you know at the end of the day I can get electricity at five pence a kilowatt hour overnight and I'm an end consumer yeah. so I've got to believe that people like you know Ovo who are supplying the power for the BP Charge Master uh, 150 kilowatt ones they're going to be able to get a really good deal so mm. you know the the charge the cost that the company is having to pay for the electricity can't figure that much into the actual price that they charge. The price they charge is dictated more by how they're going to get a return on the overhead. So, you know, the 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pounds it's going to cost them yeah. to put a bank of charges in there. That's that's what they've got to try and factor into it. So, you know, whilst I would like to think that, I mean, I agree with you, GridServe are, the concept is excellent. Mm. And I would like to think that if you get, you know, an Ingenie, an Instavolt, a BP charge master in at one um, grid serve hub that there will be some means of, shall we say, uh, internal competition amongst them. Yeah, I'm not that confident that that's actually going to happen no. at the moment. And at the end of the day, that doesn't worry me too much. What does worry me is the whole thing of well, this is a hub. We're not making a huge amount of money on the on this. Therefore, we're actually going to increase our prices at this hub yeah. for the convenience. And that would be a concern. Yeah, definitely. And um, I suppose the, the other thing was that how much control will GridServe have over the charging companies putting them in? So will they almost let... Is it a free-for-all? So if Instavolt suddenly decide that they're going to put their charges you know the the amount you pay substantially up you know like double I'm not saying they will but if they do has GridServe got any power to say hold on a minute you're not doing that because that's hurting us and that's not that's not fair uh, I, I don't know how much control they're going to have over those if especially if they do have multiple companies I, I I suspect and I you know I think I think it probably will we'll they'll partner with a particular person per um hub perhaps you know it'll be like polar do all of it for one and then maybe instable do another one perhaps i don't know yeah i'd, I'd kind of like to see it the other way i'd like to go into a hub and there might be four different companies supplying the charges mm. oh yeah so would i 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that would be ideal. Because in that case, if Instavault do decide they're going to double the price, we can always then go, oh, well, hang on. I'm not going to use Instavault at this particular place. I'm going to use Ingenie. Yeah. Or I'm going to use um, Polar. So it gives us the option. I mean, at the end of the day, the market is going to dictate what the price is. Yes. But then at the end of the day, the people who are buying the um, electricity, the people who are using the chargers, we are the market. Yeah. So if you don't use it, <laughs> exactly, their profits exactly. suddenly suddenly start to dry up, and everyone goes back to the little hubs everywhere. So let's summarise. Currently, we're moving from a model of fifty kilowatt maximum speed chargers with proprietary RFID cards or apps to one hundred and fifty kilowatt chargers with contactless payment. This is good overall for the EV community. But linked in with that, you've got a situation where the pricing model is still varied and fluid. The fact that your iPACE owner can have eight different prices for the same amount of uh, electrons is ridiculous. We've got suppliers charging depending on speed. We have suppliers charging per kilowatt hour delivered. We've suppliers charging per session. All of these are pros and cons. And which pros and cons you subscribe to will depend primarily on your battery size and recharge speed, I suspect. Overall, at the moment, as long as prices stay below about 65 pence per kilowatt hour equivalent, it's still cheaper to recharge than it would have been to use an ICE vehicle. But what we're forgetting here is that for the majority of people charging their EVs, this will either be a nonsensical argument or a once in a blue moon occurrence. I know many, many EV owners who charge at home 100% of the time. I know others who rapid charge once in a while if they're doing a long journey. And for people like that, the price is not really an issue. But as EV ownership takes off, these numbers will change. People with no home chargers and people who do lots of miles in a day, company reps, for example, will need a reliable, fast charging option with a price they can understand and deal with. At the moment, we don't have that everywhere. So let's wrap up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. So yeah, so here's mine. Um, it's you, the listeners. Yes, it's a bit cheesy, but both Gary and myself have had multiple people come up to us at recent EV car meets. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to those that... You know, not only just come up, come up to us and say how much they enjoy the podcast, but those that, that listen, listen more than once, and you know, and don't turn off, um, and those that subscribe. So, um, you know, my cool thing this this week really is a big thank you to all those people that have supported uh, the podcast um, and our you know individual endeavors and things like that that we that we do in the EV community and. Yeah, it it just it just makes us feel sort of really good that you know people are actually listening and or watching or taking note or you know enjoying it. So it's always good when somebody comes up to you and says thank you or I enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that and this is how you can make it better. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean I totally agree, and it always surprises me. I mean you and I we we sit here of an evening and we talk effectively to each other through the microphones, <laughs> and it, it, you know it's only when you get out there and you realise hey. People are actually listening to this. Yeah, it's when and they come back and they feed it back, and you think, "Oh, right." So it's it's you know we're not shouting into the void. No, and it's it's really weird when people like like I said, I was at the the Dorset EV uh, meet yesterday, and um, a couple with their brand new Model Three, I might add, 
um, that I sat in. And I was like, I know you want to talk about the podcast, just step aside and let me sit in it. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Dave Dewson came up after me and he goes, I'm going to sit in that model three. Don't worry, I've already done it. It's done now. There's no, it's no point in you getting in it. And he's ordered his. Um, but you're not jealous at all. No, are you? no, I wasn't jealous with the three Model 3s that had turned up, like, and um, everyone saying that they'd ordered this. But anyway, back on point. <laughs> um, yeah, a big, big thank you, really. It, it does really mean a lot to, to me and I'm sure um, you, Gary, that um, people generally enjoy what we do. Absolutely. Totally agree. My cool thing is a fabulous little thing I saw on Twitter recently. A young inventor named Roderick Reed has created a portable wind turbine. It's it's a little difficult to describe. You might have to watch the... Um, I'll have a look at the little video attached to the uh, tweet that we'll link below. It's a series of linked concentric rings that are attached to kites. And it all folds up. You can carry it in the boot of your car. And when you open it up, the wind will sort of pull it out as it does with a kite, and then it just starts spinning, and the whole thing spins on its own axis, and it powers a little generator that you can uh, keep in the boot of the vehicle. Obviously, it's only a prototype at the moment, but the actual kite section itself weighs less than two kilograms, and as a means of providing emergency power, or even semi-reliable power for remote areas, it's got a lot of potential. It needs a lot of work, obviously, but I can see it, uh, and it's something I think I'm going to follow and just see what comes out of it um, over the next year or so. So a link to the tweet and the video are in the show notes. Yeah, I, I did see, I, I briefly saw this. Um, a, a kind of a, a visual that I had was a slinky in midair. Yes, yes, that's a very, very good. Someone stretched out a slinky right, in midair yeah. and then is spinning it on its own axis. Yeah, it was ingenious. I mean, whoever it's, yeah, I think we can, we're going to see more of these crazy ideas coming up, which is great. So, and that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, I'm at the EV side on both Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you're wanting a quick reference book to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent. And it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and YouTube and Google Podcasts and just about everywhere you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it makes us feel loved and helps us know we're not just shouting out into the void. Although, having heard what we said over the last few minutes, we know we're not shouting out into the void, but we do like a little bit of love anyway. Exactly. So, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.